me, please. Hebrews 3, this morning, a message about um, the sin of presumption, maybe, uh, provoking God, I think is uh, uh, a better a better title. The world is uh, provoking God right now. It's a dangerous place out there. People are going to experience the kind of judgment that uh, heretofore that our, our country knows not a whole lot about. I remember uh, America going through, I wasn't there, but the Great Depression, it was a terrible time in our country. I remember uh, hearing about World War II and how that rationing came to America. And I just hope that we as Christians don't provoke the Lord's anger. You know, God can be provoked. He can be, uh, he does get angry. I know there's a side of God that's just wonderful love. God is love. And his compassion, his mercy never fails. His compassions fail not. But at some times, God is provoked. And uh, he does judge. Uh, he tells us that he will he will judge. It is for the Christian never to provoke him. And this morning, we got to be careful not to be like the world. Let's look at verse 13 and hold your place there. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, thank you now for another day in church. We pray, God, that you'll bring blessings and, and the power of God to our lives. We pray that we would face the future with um, anticipation and belief and faith walking and trusting you and we ask god that you'll watch over us today and give us a a wonderful outlook on life help us to be positive and help us to be thankful uh help us not to be like the world and uh with the wicked hearts of unbelief god help us to be full of faith help us to walk and live and love by faith and i pray today that you will help us to be careful not to provoke god to anger in our daily lives and in our in our spirit. Lord, bless our church and bless our people today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we're living in a, in a world uh, right now that is very provocative uh, to the Lord. Let's look at verse 13 through 19 in chapter 3 of Hebrews. The, the writer says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Uh, today is today. Uh, somebody said, uh, I don't know, what was that? It was a really common, I think it was, maybe Jack made it, I can't remember. Some, it was about the, tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to try to bore you with it. But you only have today. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow may never come. Today is all you got. While we call it today, it says exhort one another every day, daily, exhort. That means uh, encourage people. To, uh, get, get, us, get us somebody out there that will tell us, come on, folks, let's go. Let's do this. We can do this. It's all right. You got you to be there. You got to do it. And it's almost like uh, somewhat of a cheerleader. Exhort one another daily. Uh, find somebody and cheer them up. How many of you have somebody at work that's kind of grouchy? Nobody. Okay, great. We don't need this message then. Uh, how many have somebody in your family that tends to be grouchy sometimes? <laughs> I love this part. I love this part of the message. Everybody, you know. How many know somebody in your family that's grouchy? I got to say, Kurt and Sally, you got to be careful, don't you? <laughs> Cal, Sally's, I know somebody. 
Kurt's over there. You know, I know somebody in my family. Uh, how many have a, a neighbor sometimes that gets grouchy? You know, exhort one another daily. Oh, my goodness. Hey, you heard the statement, did you wake up grouchy or did you let him sleep? <laughs> All right, you'll get it. All right, verse number 13, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest you, lest, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. God wants you to be partakers of what he has for you. Uh, I don't know how you feel, but uh, as I get older, I lose zeal. How many of you have lost a little bit of spark? How many of you, you young people don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But when you get, as you get older, here's what you do. You lose a little bit of zeal. Uh, you 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 lose you got more knowledge, but you lose the zeal part. When you're younger, you have plenty of zeal, but the knowledge part's a little lacking. Amen. Uh, so uh, there's got to be a at some point where the the pinnacle of your life, where you got plenty of zeal and plenty of knowledge, you got the energy to get it going, and you got the knowledge to not make too many mistakes. But then as you get a little bit older in life. What happens is the zeal runs out. It's harder, and uh, you need to be exhorted. We're supposed to exhort one another. I hope God gives us a whole big old truckload of zeal. For we are made partakers. Why? Because God has something for you. He wants you to get a full reward. He wants you to go all the way with him and give it your best shot in everything you do. He wants to glorify himself in your life. Um, the, listen, I'm going to tell you a little, a little story here. It's not long. I heard of a, a man that was blind and, uh, he, he didn't have any hands or it was, it was terrible. What I'm getting at is he learned Braille with his tongue. He read the Bible, the whole Bible in Braille with his tongue. That is a true story. The whole entire Bible was put in Braille for him, and he read the Bible with Braille with his tongue. I'd say something drove that guy. Something something got in the hold of him. How many? How'd like? How'd you like to be the best Christian that you could possibly be? How'd you like to make God so happy with you? that you knew that he was happy with you. Um, I only played football for one season. I was too small to be on the front line, and I was uh, too slow to be an, a, a tailback or an end. Uh, so it was hard, and I only lasted one season. I didn't have the build and the power, but I gave it everything I got. And the coach, uh, he, he got us all lined up one time, and he says, I really want to thank you. You guys are great. He says, you got desire. And I'll never forget the way he said it. He said, you got desire. And I go, well, we didn't win many games, but we had desire, you know. And it, that's the thing that God wants to provoke in us, and he, he wants to uh, build in us. And what happens is we, we, we just we, – 
We, we faint too often and we give up on God. And it provokes him. Uh, it's almost like you do everything you can for someone and they don't appreciate it. In other words, God wants us to appreciate him. He gave everything to us, did he not? I mean, Jesus died on the cross for us, did he not? He gave it all. And we can't provoke God by not appreciating that. It's always uh, an exhortation. It's always uh, a provoking one another to love and good works. If you ever have a preacher say, hey, come on, man, let's all go to church. Let's all pray. Let's all read our Bible. Let's all, have you ever had a preacher like that? Okay, good, good. Uh, let's, let's stay faithful. Have you ever had a preacher to tell you, let's stay faithful? Have you ever wondered why in the world he's talking like that all the time? Have you ever wondered what in the world? He's crazy. He's a fanatic. Have you ever had a preacher that you thought was maybe fanatical? I don't know who he was, but I've been accused of being a fanatic many times. But I know this, that we could all realize without provoking God, we could, we could love him a lot more. I could love God a lot more. I don't want to provoke him. He wants to perform in us the best that we can be. And so... It says, uh, provoke one another daily, or excuse me, exhort one another daily, uh, and not to be hardened uh, through the deceitfulness of sin. Look at verse 14 again. For we are made partakers of Christ. If, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. I'm supposed to have a little zeal the older I get, and it's tough. I don't know. Uh, I can't do as many pull-ups as I used to do. I can't do many, as many push-ups. I can't run as fast. Uh, I can run real fast once for a real short distance. And I think God's mighty proud of that, maybe. But I can't do it. I can't do it like I did. Remember one time, uh, Jordan and Justin and I, this was back when Jason was just a pup, um, we got up and we ran five miles Monday Wednesday and Friday. And uh, I thought, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to die early. What am I doing out here? We got up uh, like 6, 7 in the morning, and we'd run five miles, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And when I first started out, I thought, I'm going to die. I, didn't, I couldn't run. You know how in Linden you have the blocks? Uh, there's streets like 17th and 16th and 15th and on and so forth. They're not very far away. When we first started running, <clears throat> we got up and all three of us said, okay, let's go. So we took off running. I didn't make it to the first block before I had to stop running. I thought I was going to die. My bones were creaking, and I thought, this is not good. This is terrible. And I realized how old I was. But <clears throat> what happened was, the next time we ran, <clears throat> I made it a block and a half. The next time we ran, I made it two blocks. <laughs> You're going to laugh. Uh, I made it around the, the block of our house, you know. I think it was maybe a quarter mile. And I said, that's it. I can't take any more. I went home and I said, "Hun," She said, what? <clears throat> How come you're home so early? I said, I made it around the block without stopping <laughs> I felt so childish. She said, oh, that's good, you know. And good, good for you. And 
And she made me feel so small. But she was provoking me, you understand? She said, that's good. My wife is the best provoker in the world. I'm telling you, she's in a good way. She can provoke. You guys know it, don't you? And some of you know my wife. She can subtly provoke me. Like uh, <clears throat> about seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, uh, our neighbor put up a fence. And uh, so she always wanted me to put up that fence. He got to it first. So I said, good, I don't have to build a fence. The neighbor did it for me. Great. I don't care what quality it is. It keeps the balls from going in their yard. Good. I'm done. And then you know what my wife said? She said, well, you remember you promised to put a fence around the yard? I said, no, we talked about it. I don't remember promising. She goes, yeah, you promised. And I was tired. I didn't want to, that summer, I didn't want to put up a fence. And she said, oh, that's okay. I'll go, I'll go hire somebody to do it. And if, if you know me, you don't hire somebody to get into my yard, put up a, a, a flimsy little two-by-four fence in my yard. I hate stuff that's not strong. Like, I don't even like shelves when they bow. And if you've got bowie shelves at your house, bookshelves, I'll fix it for you. You can see the cabinet out in the lobby. That's massive for trinkets. <laughs> I said, no way you're not hiring somebody to build a fence. She said, well, you promised. And so that summer, I put up a fence, and my neighbor came by, and he said, are you going to raise buffalo in here? <laughs> and I said, no. So you know how the 2x4, the 4x4 four, four four posts, and they bend, and they creak, and they warp in the sun, and the fence is all, I like straight like a fortress. I just, I just love that. She provoked me. That's what God does. He provokes us to love and good works, doesn't he? And and so I was thinking about telling my whole family, listen, I'll, get, I'll hire somebody to come in and clean your room. <laughs> but they clean, they do a good job. So I'm not on my family. I, God, he knows how to provoke us in a good way, but we know how to provoke him in a bad way. The whole world is provoking God. Uh, it's, it's terrible. Look on with me. It says uh, uh, in verse number 16, or excuse me, in uh, verse 15, while it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, that's all of us, harden not your heart, hearts as in the provocation. Does anybody know what he's talking about then? Well, it goes on. Let's look at it. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They provoked him to such anger that he kept them in the wilderness and he let them die in the wilderness. That's the provocation. You remember back when Moses said, uh, let's put in some spies? And you know the song, you know, 10 men went 
12 women to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and two were good. So Joshua and Caleb, they went in and they said, we, we can do this. We can do, God could do this. This is, they, they, uh, they exhorted one another, the brethren. And then the other, the other 10, they came back and said, we're never going to make it. They're big. We're like grasshoppers. They're going to kill us. We can't do it. We can't make it. And you know what they did? Folks, they went into the whole camp of Israel and they, and they discouraged everybody. That's the power that you and I have with our witness, with our temperament. Uh, we should never, we should never be down all the time and saying, ah, no, you know, God, God will never do that. I can't work. That won't work. Be careful. Be careful. If you don't have a, a, a an encouraging heart of, of belief, and I'm not saying false, but you got to be careful. You know, uh, when when your kid comes home and they didn't get the quite good grade that they needed, you you should say, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah that's what I expected. No, no, no. Uh, we, we can do better. We exhort one another, encourage one another. And uh, God said, I sent you in, and I told you I was going to give you the land, but when you send in the spies, you, you guys came back and you said, this will never work. We can't do it. And that was the day of provocation with God. He was so angry with them. Anybody know why God got angry about that? I think it's because of this. I think it's because they just came out of Egypt and they had 10 plagues. Pharaoh was dead. The victory was won. The Red Sea was split right down the middle. They walked on uh, dry ground going across the Red Sea. And they got over to the other side. They began to eat manna and all the different miracles that God gave them. They, they had so much amount of of the power and the miraculous working of God's power and got to see it and look how many how many like to see some of those miracles that that happened back then that that was so incredible and the deliverance my goodness they were just a bunch of slaves out in the wilderness they didn't know where to go they didn't have anything to drink and God brought them up to the edge of the water he said I brought you out here so I could show you my power and he brought them across the Red Sea Pharaoh got into the valley between the water and the Red Sea. And while they were on the other bank, everybody got out. And then, whoom, the, the water came and just killed the whole entire Egyptian army that was after him. And Pharaoh himself died. What a miracle of deliverance. And yet, they get over to the promised land. And they say, oh, no, this is no good. This won't work. We can't do it. You know, And that provoked God. Boy, be careful not to provoke him. If God has done something great in your life, have you ever needed something? Go back and look at how he provided it. Have you ever had an answer to prayer? Have you ever looked at the blessings? You know what I do right here in our church? Sometimes I'll get down and I'll say, now this is not good. This is not good. Look what God is doing. I, I look at all the lives of the people in our church and I'm amazed at what God has given in our church. The people that are in our church are fantastic, wonderful people. I'm, I'm telling you straight up, this is incredible. We have, we have the greatest people in the whole world. And of course we want more, but I'm thankful what God has done. We're going to celebrate 25 years this year. Do you know how fast that's going by? I'm, I'm asking God for a little more zeal. <laughs> 
I already have all the knowledge I need. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I'd like both. Amen. A little more knowledge, a little more. I don't want to provoke him. I don't want to look in the future and say, oh, man, this is horrible. It'll never work. And I'm prone to that. How many are prone to complain? How many are prone to not raise your hand in church ever? <laughs> we provoke God sometimes, don't we? And it says this, this spirit of unbelief this, this is, is real dangerous. So turn with me to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. We have a God that never fails. We have a God that never, ever stops loving us. We have a God that is slow to anger. <laughs> I've, I've had a quick temper. You know, I watch out for people with quick temper. Don't get around people with a quick temper. You got to, you know, part of the gifts of the Spirit of God are of long-suffering and uh, forgiveness and uh, forbearance. Boy, we... God's slow to anger. Boy, it takes a long time to get angry. You better watch out, though. If you think that you're, you got a long way to go before he gets really angry, don't provoke him because he can get angry fast if he wants to. Look at Psalm 95. Oh, come. Oh, come, David said. Let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. <clears throat> and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is great God, and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is also his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Now, with all that in mind, look what he said. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. There it is again. And we have the writer of Hebrews quoting this Psalm 95. Don't get god angry and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me proved me saw my work 40 years long was i agreed with this generation and said it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways <clears throat> unto whom i swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest i'm really sorry that with all that God has done for our country, I, I only live in America, so I don't have a lot that I can say I've experienced, but I've only lived in America as my homeland. And uh, I'm really thankful that I look back and see all the wonderful things God did for America. We have a wonderful country. And I, and I, I praise God for that regularly. I'm very, very wonderfully glad for the freedoms that God has given us. But... Uh, the problem is, I think we, we're living in a society that's beginning to provoke God. And uh, we got to be careful not to chime in with them. Uh, do you realize that uh, in the first years of our existence as a country, God did some fantastic, wonderful, powerful miracles 
He took us out from under the despotism of a rotten, evil, wicked king, uh, King George, and the system of English government was so oppressive. And, and he gave us this new land, and we became free. Uh, commerce was just blooming. In fact, when we had our uh, class on uh, history, uh, there was a, uh, a point of interest that I, I, I uh, focused on was that at one point, the, the different uh, settlements in our, in our early years of our nation, they had a better uh, per capita income than anywhere in the world because of free market. So we were, we were actually making and selling and had a better economy than anywhere in the world at that time. And that was in the late, um, late 1600s. It's amazing what God did when he, when he gave us this freedom. So we, we shouldn't provoke him. We should always stay close to God. Now, Isaiah 53, let's go there first. Uh, I want to show you that the first time Jesus came is the way he came was a special uh, soft and gentle and compassionate and understanding and a graceful shepherd-like person. He came, uh, the Bible says, as a lamb the first time Jesus came. Let's look at... Uh, Verse number 7, it says in 50, Isaiah 53, verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. And he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. That means not speaking. So he opened not his mouth. Do you realize how Jesus came the first time like a lamb, didn't he? He was gentle. He was compassionate. He let people call him names. He, he let them blaspheme him. He, he put up with such, such hatred and such ridicule. They persecuted him. They attempted to kill him. He came and he, he, he lived a humble life, he, a life of a lamb. Uh, in fact, when John the Baptist saw him for the first time, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the whole world. He came as a lamb, didn't he? And the reason he came as a lamb was to be sacrificed as a lamb to shed his precious blood a lamb without spot by the way the next time he comes he's not coming like a lamb he's coming like a lion the lion of the tribe of judah when jesus comes back this next time don't you think for a minute that he's going to act the same way as he did before he's here when he comes the next time he's coming for judgment the day of the Lord's coming. He's not playing games. He's not going to have any kind of mercy or compassion uh, on any of the unbelievers by the time he shows up. Boy, I'll tell you what, this world's in trouble. It is in trouble, bad trouble. He'll save people. But I'll tell you what, there's going to be very few people in the tribulation that are going to be saved, maybe more than I think. But um, that's not going to be because he's walking the streets as a lamb. He's not going to let people call him names. He's never going to suffer again. He's not going to suffer anymore. Jesus Christ has done suffering. Amen. He suffered everything for you and I. Worst thing I could do is provoke his love and, and tender and care for us. Worst thing we could do as Christians is just to count it as nothing and provoke him. 
That's oh yeah, I saw the Red Sea. Yeah, I saw the miracles. Yeah, the man. I'm getting tired of the manna too. Oh yeah, the miracle. Oh, the cloud in the daytime. Oh, that's just God. Oh, the fire or the pillar of fire at night in the wilderness to keep us safe. That's just God. Yeah, that's just God. Yeah, I've already done that. Oh, it just drives me crazy. When I meet Christians, he said, I invite them to come to church. And, no, yeah, I already did that. Oh, good gracious, what is wrong with people? You already did that? You know what you're saying? You know what these people are saying when they say, oh, no, I'm good. I don't need Jesus. I, I'm good. Oh, my goodness. I don't think they realize how provocative that is. That's like my wife cooking a beautiful meal, slaving for all of us kids. <laughs> and uh, I'm not a kid. But anyway, all, all of us in the family. And putting it out on the bar there, the, the, the bar, and just all the work she's done. And just acting like, yeah, it's no big deal. I, I try to remember thanking my wife for when she, when she labors in the kitchen. My goodness. What a hard job. What a hard job to be a mom. I'm glad I'll never be a mom. It was it's just, a, if you paid my wife minimum wage, she'd be richer than any of you. If you paid her what she's worth. You know, they've done studies about the work that mothers do. Good gracious, she's outworking me. She outranks me. That's what, George, that's what, uh, uh, General Sherman said about uh, Florence Nightingale. Was that the Civil War nurse? Florence Nightingale? She took care of all those soldiers, and she was such a great nurse. <laughs> they came to General Sherman and said, what do you think about Florence Nightingale? And this three-star general said, she outranks me. I'll tell you what. We should not provoke one another. Be thankful. Be thankful for God or what he's done in your life. Jesus is coming like a, a, a lion the next time. And people that have provoked him, I'm sorry to say, they are in bad trouble. You know, Jesus was brokenhearted several times at the hardness of the Jews' hearts. Remember, he looked at Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killeth the prophets. How often would I have gathered you under my, wing, uh, under my wings as a, as a hand gathereth her chickens? But you wouldn't come. You would not. They, the Bible said you wouldn't. And every day they provoked him. And over and over they provoked him. And I'll tell you what. This world is provoking God right now. I don't want to get into everything. I preach about it a lot. But we, we're in a nation that's provocative. We are provoking God. We're saying, yeah, that, that, who cares about who cares about all that stuff? Uh, you know, we, we, we'll tell our kids... Uh, we'll, we'll teach them whatever we want. Oh, there's so much going on in the public schools today. So much uh, hatred and so much uh, uh, devastation in our inner cities and so much problem. If you think God's just going to uh, close a blind eye to it, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, this is not going to go unpunished. And what's going on in our country right now is not going to go unpunished. Amen. What's happening up in Canada, I promise you, I don't know when, but you, can't, you, you cannot act like that. This, this world cannot provoke God forever. They're not going to be able to keep on doing and living the same way they live. It's got to happen. I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to, be, I don't want to provoke God. I don't want to get him angry. 
Because, boy, if you've ever been under the chastening hand of God, and by the way, the Bible says all that come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will all, all of us will, will be chastised at one time. We're all going to get under chastisement at some time in your life. God will correct you. He will show you your mistakes. He will punish you. He will correct you as a father. And don't think God will ever, never correct us. You know what happens when you never correct a child? And you never, ever, ever correct your own child. You know what happens to your child? They turn into a little monster. I've seen them in the grocery stores. Oh, my goodness. Am I so old school that I want to grab that kid? Years ago, there was a lady in Winn-Dixie down in uh, Jacksonville. And I, was, I was going crazy. The kid was screaming. And, oh, swearing at his parent. I, he was just a grade school kid. And I, I, I leaned over and I told the lady, I said, my dad used to spank me. <laughs> I don't know if that's any good today. I don't know. No, I mean telling people that. It still works. In the proper way. You think God would just let the whole world go on and 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 on. No punishment, no worries, no problem. Go ahead and drink it up and smoke it up and take all the drugs and live in immorality. Just go ahead and just have a party. Who cares? Eat, drink, be merry. Tomorrow we die. Who cares? As in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man's coming. As Noah, as all those people were acting like that, that's exactly what Jesus said. They didn't even know until the flood came and took them all away. Boy, I'll tell you what, we got to be careful as Christians not to provoke the Lord. So what can we do to provoke God? Sometimes we can complain, as they did in the wilderness, Numbers 11 and verse 1 says they complained. Um, in Exodus 4, 14, they actually uh, they had a lack of courage. You, or Moses. Remember God said to Moses, okay, I want you to go, and I, you, you, I want you to tell Pharaoh, and I'll be with you. And he said, I can't, I can't go and do that. God was angry with that. He was a little angry. He said, no, okay, I'll give, you, I'll give you Aaron, and Aaron will be your mouthpiece. And praise God, by the time they actually did talk to Pharaoh, Guess who did the talking? Aaron didn't do the talking. Moses got right with God. He got the courage he needed. He, he was exhorted. He was, he was provoked by Aaron. And Aaron uh, actually was with him. But praise the Lord, it worked. And God, God was a little angry with that. Um, and then in Numbers 14, the Bible says the people of Israel began to murmur. Now, I don't know what you think murmuring is, but sometimes you got to realize... Uh, I, I wouldn't say murmuring is something that you do outward and open so everybody can hear you. I think murmuring is that silent complaining. Uh, it's like, what do you think about the pastor? Oh, I don't like him. You see how he combs his hair? Yeah, and his socks don't match. My socks match. But... Uh, I, I've, I've run into some po folks at, at different times of our church and they're murmuring and uh, don't murmur. Murmur is that silent com complaint, you know, where nobody's watching, but God sees it. I ran into somebody murmuring one time 
And <laughs> two guys were really involved with the murmur. And I, I was putting books away and I went into the back room and, and I saw them, they were in this secret hallway and they both looked, and here's what they did, they went. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't care what they were saying, it doesn't bother me. God knew what they were saying, right? Murmuring is a terrible thing. Then idolatry, oh, I could go on and on. Let's not provoke God. Now, what, what, what does God really want from us that he wanted from the Jews? What is it that you could do to uh, please God and make him happy? How could you uh, actually keep, keep God's favor and uh, his loving kindness to you and the smile of how could you make God happy? I tell you, it's easier than you think. Believe him. Believe him and trust him. This morning, I said, Lord, I just want you to know I'm just trusting you. Sometimes I'll be driving and I think, Lord, I, I haven't told you that I loved you in a long time. It's been a couple days or an hour or maybe a week or so. But I, I just want to tell you I'm thankful and, and I love you. And I'm, and I'm glad to be saved. Thank you for my family and the church. Thank you for my salvation and thank you for good health and all the blessings this i think we gotta be uh, we haven't had the the red sea miracles but we've had some miracles yes. we've had some big ones i don't want to get to provoke god and say well have god say well don't you remember the six hundred dollars i gave you one guy in starbucks i haven't been back to starbucks in a long time but I'm not sure I'm going back because I don't think that guy goes there anymore. But No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. He just looked at me and handed me a $100 bill. I don't even know this man. He's just glad I was reading my Bible. That's a blessing from God. I called Julie. Hon, you know what just happened? She says, no, what? I said, this guy just dropped a $100 bill right on my, right on my Bible. He said he's glad that I was reading my Bible in public. She said, that's amazing. We need that so bad right now. And uh, then the, uh, you've heard the story a thousand times. I'm not going to forget that. I'm not going to let you forget it. <laughs> Six times. God does, he does things like that. You don't even know how he does it sometimes. And listen, we can't forget that. I don't want to provoke God. And say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I just, yeah, we, we've been saved for 46 years now. And, yeah, it's about time we let somebody else have all the blessings. No way. No way. We, we don't want to provoke him. If you're being blessed, thank him for it. If you've had blessings in the past, thank him for it. If you're living in a country that's provoking the Lord to anger, get out of the way. Step aside. Go not with them. If they say, come, come with us. Let's do evil together. Stay away. Don't do it. Don't go anywhere like that. Don't do what they do. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Boy, we've got a God. How do you, how do you make God happy and not provoke him? Be, be believers. Believe every single thing that God ever said. 
and believe this today that God loves you enough to die for you and praise God now I know we're living in a country that uh, by and large is getting to be more uh, more worldly by the day kind of slipping off little by little by little in the darkness I, I don't want I don't want to go with them I want to stay right close to the bonfire I want to bask in the light of God let's bow our heads for prayer I hope you uh, understand that we're living in a, a world that provoking God and sometimes Christians get caught up in that maybe a little bit of a warning today it was his special wonderful apple of his eye uh, the Jewish nation of Israel those were the ones that were doing all the provoking God already knows about the unsaved world he's going to deal with that but I think he's specially grieved when Christians don't do the right thing. So this morning, let's ask God to help us not to live our lives uh, in a provocative way against God. But while it is called today that we provoke one another to love and good works, we maybe uh, bring, bring somebody with us, become soul winners and become the kind of Christians that somebody would say, man, that, that family, uh, that lady, that mom, that dad, but that kid, that, that teenager, they, they are really wonderful people. They really love the Lord. I think I need to go visit. I think I need to talk to them. Instead of provoking God to anger, we should provoke one another to love and good works. Father, this morning, help us not to fall into the provocation that is warned in the Bible. Help us now. Lord, please give us a great, great, wonderful spring and summer. And I pray that all of us would dig down deep and become the best Christians that we can be. Help us to pray more and to love more and to be the kind of Christians that would make you happy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Uh, let's sing number.